Hey, welcome to The Weekly. This is a podcast by Calvary Bible Church, where we connect what happened over our weekend services to your real life lived Monday through Friday. I get to be one of your hosts with my good friend, Pastor Jay Ewing. Thomas, good to be in the booth with you. It's good I missed you last week. Yeah, man. I spent some time getting away, visiting with my mom, and getting the grandkids over to Tennessee. Tennessee, that's like right next to Colorado. You know, I made the joke on the airplane. You're the best 10 I see to my kids. They didn't get it. Dad joke. <laughs> Dad joke. Dad joke alert. Uh, you were there. You're seeing your mom in Tennessee. Yeah. Were you there for like the rains and the floods? The rains, uh, it, there was tornadoes one night. They actually canceled school on Thursday pre-tornado weather. How weird was that? That's very weird. Yeah, we canceled school for snow, which is way better than canceling for tornadoes. You can't even cancel school anymore because it's like, we'll just be online. <laughs> yeah, totally. Goodness gracious. It's true. It's true. But no, it was a great time out there. We got it back before the floods. Sounds like that area really got hit hard once again with some floods. I know. There's been a lot in this last few weeks of yeah. just hardship and tragedy that way. Yeah, that's really true. And you were here this last week in Boulder. I know that that's a very heavy week for you being a neighborhood kid of that area growing up in South Boulder. It's a pretty wild week. I mean... Not only from just the ministry aspect, we didn't get to podcast last week together. We were doing ministry, um, had opened up the Boulder campus, and Pastor Tom and Pastor John and staff there were ministering to people who came through, asking questions, praying with people. Pastors in Boulder gathered together last week to be praying for the community. Um, yeah, there was a lot of opportunities, but yeah, I, yeah so I grew up in South Boulder, Boulder kid, uh, which, you know, when people like hear that, they think, man, how'd you, how'd you come out as a Christian? That's yeah, true. I think that's like we always how we that. all come out as Christians, just God's grace. Yeah. But yeah, South Boulder kid, that's the King Supers that my family would definitely go to. And I went to school right behind it, so we would go to it all the time. Right. And uh, that day we were uh, watching the events unfold, and I was talking to local law enforcement that are friends of mine, and actually texting my mom, like, hey, mom, don't go to King Supers today. Right. She's like, thanks for the text. I was going to go up to this afternoon. Like, yeah, don't do that, mom. Yeah. You'd open up your phone, get on the on the news, what's going on. So it's been it's been a heavy, heavy week, and we concluded with services that were really directed towards that, like where is God in the midst of hardship and tragedy? And I was just so thankful that our campuses and online were filled with people that wanted to direct their attention to the God of all mercies, right? The Father of all mercies, the God of comforts, who comforts us in our time of need so that we can comfort those with the comfort which we received. Right. So it was great service to be together, to lament together, to cry out to God. And how perfect it is to even just open up Palm Sunday with that. Like, we're going to turn our attention to the God who knows suffering, who's acquainted with our suffering. And that was just a unique way that we've been comforted this week in Holy Week, right? Yeah, that's really good. And, you know, I think it's a really good place to turn the corner in our lives when we come through something like that, where you experience tragedy and realize in the context that the Holy Week, which is basically, if you don't know, it's the last week of Jesus' life, was filled with tragedy, political turmoil, news headlines that would make you blush or make you want to hit mute with your kids in the room. Yeah, I, I think this is a perfect time for us as the church to invite someone to come be a part of Easter in our local community. So anyone who's feeling the pain, feeling the tragedy, wondering what's going on in the world, looking at political climates, um, this would be a great time to say, hey, there's a reality that Easter reveals to us that you should know about, a God of Easter that you need to know of. 
and maybe just bring them alongside. Or maybe you're able to, to share a Calvary post or um, one of the services and dialogue about that with your neighborhood. But yeah, that's, right, so, that way, that's a yeah. great segue into what's happening at Calvary this week. Thanks for leading me there. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, yeah. You go to calvary.com slash events to check out what's going on. Good Friday services this weekend um, on all three of our campuses. Easter registration is open. We need you to register. We want you there. Uh, make sure you make an opportunity to get to Calvary for Easter week. We want to see you at Good Friday Easter services and online or in person, like always. And then also we have Easter egg experience. The bags can be picked up at any of your locations so that your kids can be thoroughly equipped with a really great gospel message, even um, Easter egg hunting, which I'm looking forward to. My kids are looking forward to. And then finally, when you go to the events page, you're going to see that baptisms are about to happen at Calvary. That's next week at all three campuses and also starting points. So if you're new to Calvary, this is your first per- podcast, first time ever knowing our names because maybe you're on a different campus. We're so glad you're with us. Go to starting point, get connected there. We would love to have you meet our staff membership. We got a bunch of things coming up. So calvarybible.com. Annual meeting. Annual, Annual meeting. meeting. Yeah. Business. Business. And then also Thornton has women's bingo night coming up. Is that right? Yeah. You, what if we crashed women, women's bingo? Don't, don't say it on the podcast, man. Oh, sorry. We just have to do that. <laughs> we just show up with our dollars. <laughs> We're ready to play. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been to a, a bingo night. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. Have I, you? I grew up in West Texas. Of course, I've been to a big bingo night. Daubers, trolls, good luck charms on the tables, smoke in the air. <laughs> how, how, many, how many cards do you think you could handle at one time? Uh, one. <laughs> it's really if it was plus one we're we're yeah. out okay how okay, you've been to the bingo hall okay so you're basically a hey, professional bingo player no <laughs> my mom did have bingo daubers at one time okay in the so house. what's what's the record number of bingo cards you saw in some, in front of somebody oh man that was a long time ago i think i've seen about 12 someone 12. playing 12 man and that's that's not a man, okay. That's that's a, it's a older, legend. It's that's a legend. legend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's gold. I'd have a hard time finding the free space on twelve cards, <laughs> <laughs> especially through the cigarette smoke that I grew up in the Bingo oh, Hall man. there. You know, when like you would go to a restaurant, they'd be like, "Would you want to sit in smoking section?" No, You're yeah. like, "Yeah." I think about that like <laughs> getting boarding an airplane, like smoking, non-smoking. Like, <laughs> is this this is recycled air, right? <laughs> No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> okay. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, Sidetrack. Side it is Holy Week. Hey, like at least we we're not said. talking about food, okay? We, this is a podcast about food, usually. Now, this is a podcast about bingo halls yeah, and smoking week. sections. Yeah. Um, no, sorry. We're in Holy Week. Yeah. And this is, a, this is how we, as a church, take intentional times to refocus, realign our life, right? So we were talking about on Sunday how everybody calendars their year around something. Yeah, and I thought that was really great moment from you this last week so explain that to us okay so before jay fell asleep in the sermon we mentioned that everybody has a calendar Mm -hmm. and we orient our rhythms of life around our calendar and most people's rhythms of life around their calendar are around summer break tax season um, someone's birthday a holiday you know whatnot the church says hey there's a calendar that god has given us that orients it around the birth life 
death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. Yeah, and they've been doing it about 1,500 years. Yeah, they've been at it for a while now. Since about 500 AD, there's been a calendar. <laughs> That's a long time. It's a long time. You know, okay, just pause. Think about calendars for a second. Isn't it amazing that every date is in reference to the coming of Jesus Christ? Yeah, isn't that weird? It's that's like amazing. It's like, crazy. And people are like, well, that's actually before Common Era and then Common Era. You're like, oh, that thing- what was the distinguishing event <laughs> that changed into a Common Era? Oh, it was, uh, oh, yeah, the coming of Jesus Christ. The birth. <laughs> so, All right, so our entire calendar is set up around the coming of Jesus Christ. Your birthday is in reference date. to. Yeah. I was born in reference to Jesus' coming. I was married. Your anniversary is in reference to when <laughs> Jesus came. The Roman Empire, the Assyrian invasion. I mean, yeah. like anything is totally. in reference to, is that before or after Jesus? Yeah. The <laughs> prince, the artist, made a reference in reference to Jesus. Oh, when, man. When he was saying his song. That's 5,000 cultural points for you. <laughs> so, all right. So, anyway, sidetrack. I'll get off that random you know, no, I, I think, no, that's but, a really great reflection. Like, that's a really important for us to remember. Oh, that's a center point. It's a center point. Of so that we, we center our lives on it and we say, okay, how do I schedule my life? How do I think about my life? What are decisions that I make or don't make or all that based on this calendar as opposed to my birthday calendar? It's my birthday month. It's mm-hmm. actually not my birthday month. It's not. August is. July. July. Dang it. <laughs> I was close, When's your close. birthday? I just had it. Did you? March. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, that's right. Root yeah. beer night. Yeah, root beer night. <laughs> Man, so. so much has happened since then. A lot of life has happened. All right, so anyway, we're talking about the calendar, and then here we are, and this is the holiest week probably on the planet mm-hmm. as both Jews and Christians are remembering God. Yeah, about two and a half billion people reference their lives around yes, Holy Week. this is it. So if you're not one of those two and a half billion, you're in the seven billion population of the world, two and a half billion of you do it. It's amazing. It is amazing. This is the week, right? So it's Passover week. And so Jews are remembering yeah. the salvation story that God brings them out of Egypt and brings them to a place of promise and then anticipates the coming of Messiah. The Christian says Jesus was that anticipated Messiah. And so we don't look back to necessarily the Exodus as God's ultimate salvation story in hopes of Messiah. We look at the cross, which is the better Exodus from sin, death, bondage of the evil one, the curse. anticipating yep. his arrival, his second coming. Mm-hmm. But it's all centered around this week. So, Jay, you've been thinking about this week. I know that this week has so many different events and timelines. What's been top of mind for you, and how are you going throughout this week? You know, actually, let me back up that train. Um, I think the church calendar has defined me more in the last five to 10 years than any time ever before in my life. And, you know, I'm a spiritual mutt. I, I mean, I've, I've dwelled in church of Christ, the Catholic church, um, the Christian church, you know, and so I've been around the block to see churches. I was even at the African American church in middle school for a time. And, um, I think those rhythms of church life and calendar really stuck with me. And I think they've really helped shape how I practice my faith and how I read my Bible. And I think that's, that's really helpful. You know, I needed something like that to 
really give me some solid ground to stand on. So the Holy Week is um, Sunday through Sunday, and there's a really great timeline. I'm going to put it in the show notes. It's just a link to Christianity.com of a great timeline of how to read your Bible um, and Holy Week. But there's basically all four gospel writers, we were just talking about this over lunch, slow down when it comes to the last week of Jesus' life. And they do that because it's really important not only to know how Jesus was born or arrived, why he arrived, but more importantly, why he died um, and the implications of his death. And so um, you can go to you know, a really good trusted site to see the biblical references, but today is Tuesday. And so in the reference to that, the biblical stories in Matthew 21, Mark 11, Luke 20, John 12, and there's a lot of great things that happen through these days, except for Wednesday, which is called Silent Wednesday. And there is no biblical record of what Jesus did in the middle of Holy Week, which is really interesting to me. That's why we take silence. Right. Yeah. Church history has taught us that uh, many of the streams of faith have paused that day not to do any scripture reading, um, maybe not to even do public praying or public prayers, but to spend it um, in quietness and solitude and reflection for the coming days ahead. All right. So it starts on Palm Sunday. The middle is the silence Wednesday. They have mm-hmm. what well, I always thought was Monday, Thursday. Yeah. Monday, Thursday. Yeah. Like, Monday, Monday. Explain you you track that down. What it means? So Monday Thursday is ta- is based on the washing of the disciples' feet by Jesus. So this is a new commandment, um, and so we are recentering on the new commandment that He gives us to love one another, to be servants of one another. This is the highlight of Jesus' teaching that night when He's with His disciples before He's betrayed that night, which takes us into Thursday morning and into the. Uh, the crucifixion on Friday. Yeah, and the the trials of Jesus start really early on Friday morning. They yeah, show, Thursday morning, Friday morning. Yeah, Thank you. Friday morning, the urgency of sort of them wanting to get this over with because it's really interesting, the cultural context. I want to actually, I want to pause here too and say, um, if you want to actually hear the, probably the most words of Jesus in a single moment, so in a single story, like, the completion of like, you know, we get these stories of Jesus and we get phrases and words that the gospel writers count. But in the last week of Jesus, they give us discords, like just long speeches that Jesus made. And it's really to highlight sort of the importance of the last week as well. Yeah, this is where you, if you have one of those NIV New Testaments and their letters of Jesus are in, or the words of Jesus are in red, these are like the, the pages that are all red. Yeah, totally. And you get the most detail of Jesus's week from the last week. Yeah. Which I think is really, the writers did that on purpose. You know, they're, they're great to tell us what is really important. Well, this is the climax, right? I mean, everything that Jesus has been doing with his disciples from day one has been leading to him coming into Jerusalem to die on the cross, to be buried according to the scriptures, and then to be raised to conquer death. So this is the the reason the gospels slow down is because this is the most important week. This is what Jesus' ministry has been going towards. He's been telling the disciples this is the plan. It's not as though his ministry was going well and then right. he was cut out from underneath them because oh gosh they they just grabbed him and they they crucified him. This is according to his plans. 
He's the one who's in charge. He's leading the agenda, and he has brought himself to Jerusalem for this to happen. Yeah, even on on Sunday when we're doing Palm Sunday, you made that point of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, that he prepared the way for the dunking colt to be delivered to him. He knew he had set it up already. He had set up the upper room on Thursday. Yeah. Um, he's, he's doing the work. He is instigating what's going to happen this week. I love that. Both with the, the, the acquiring of the donkey and the upper room is sending disciples because the Lord needs it. It's like so great. <laughs> Jedi just just tell them the code. The Lord needs it. And they give it up. And they give it up. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's just, and, it, and it just highlights once again that Jesus is in charge of this week. Yeah. He knows exactly what he's doing. This is not, oh, I showed up in Jerusalem and then, Passover week and I got killed. It's like, no, he knew what he was doing. All right. So then we move into Good Friday. Right. What happens on Good Friday? Good Friday is really, really good for us. Um, if you read it with Jesus, he goes through six different trials. He's put on stage six different times. Um, famous passages of like Pilate, Pontius Pilate, famous passages of um, him going to the cross and putting on the robe, the crown of thorns, all those major things that we think about Jesus and his story happened that day. Also, the seven sayings from the cross that Jesus has, Father, forgive them today with me in paradise. Woman, behold your son. That's a really interesting one where he gives actually the gospel writer John, his mom, because Jesus is the oldest son. And before he's, he's dead, while he's in suffering, he's like, oh, you know, John, this is your mom now. Take care of my mom. Yeah, take care of my mom. It's just beautiful. I mean, I'm about to cry thinking about that. It says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I thirst, it is finished, and into thy hands I commit my spirit. And those are like just amazing passages that, you know, this Friday, if you listen to this podcast before Easter week, those are some of the passages you need to get to and just reflect on and read through. All right, so... We have a Good Friday service also this week. It's big for Calvary to gather. This is where we really focus on the cost of our faith. We're looking at the the work of Jesus Christ in a death on the cross. It's a somber service, but it's really, really important for us. Yeah, I don't want to oversell it because, you know, pastors can hype up a lot of things. We life. can hype up a lot. We're like, man, that movie was the best yeah. Steven Seagal movie I've <laughs> ever seen. And then you go in and you're like, that's yeah. a C minus Steven Seagal. Yeah, as that usual. was the best hot dog I've ever eaten at the gas station. <laughs> you know. But I would say Good Friday service is one of my my personal favorites. Yeah. Um services we do at Calvary. I would agree. Yeah. And you know, it's different. It's not your typical church service. It's really reflective. It's really somber. We read the passages from these these this day. Uh, that we call good now, which at that time, everyone who followed Jesus didn't think that was going to be good. Yeah. It didn't if, turn out. If anyone besides Jesus died on Friday, it wouldn't be called good. Right. So that's kind of our, our, our theme this this coming Friday. And that service is on demand. You can actually watch that with yeah. your home group or your family, or you can choose one of the campuses to be in person for. Quick plug on in-person services. As we get closer to Easter, remember we said this four weeks ago, sign up for a service. Right. Some of them have sold out. Right. And so here's just my recommendation. If you really want to be in person for some of these services, or there's a specific time that needs to work and that service is sold out on your campus, Calvary has multiple campuses. 
go to calvarybible.com, look at maybe one of the other services on one of the campuses that would work for you. Um, we're one church in many locations. Or if all the services are sold out, I just really encourage you, you know, grab that service that's put on demand, that's um, posted, and circle your family up. Circle up friends and family from Calvary and really dive into Friday and Sunday. Yeah, don't miss out on... don't. You know, last year was really interesting. It taught us a lot about ourselves. Because we, as a church, we had an online service, so we weren't not gathering. It was just so different. And the yeah. first early season of the pandemic of us not being together on the Holy Week. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it was, yeah. It's unreal. It was. Yeah, it was unreal. And it was eerie. And I didn't like it. And I'm, I'm, I think this Holy Week, there's going to be a lot of tears from me because we're meeting with the people of God again. All right, so Good Friday service that's going to be happening. We're remembering the death of Christ, and then there's Holy Saturday. Yeah. Do you want to say anything about Holy Saturday before I move on to Easter? No, I mean, Saturday is, once again, really quiet. And historically, that's been another moment where people have chosen chosen to fast or um, take really intentional time not to be busy in preparation for their hearts for Easter Sunday. So then there's Resurrection Sunday. This is the Lord's Day. Yeah. Um, this this changed the whole like church gathering from Saturday to Sunday, really, historically. Yeah. Um, Rodney, is this Rodney uh, Stark in his book of the rise of Christianity talks about the, the Resurrection Sunday, the Lord's Day, and how the people of God started gathering on Sundays. Yeah. To from, remember that this is resurrection. Yeah, basically from here until the ascension, after the ascension, they gathered on Sundays for the yeah. rest of eternity. So that's what we're doing. It's every, every, they literally changed the calendar of civilization yeah. by one event, another one event of Jesus. Everything's in reference to Jesus. <laughs> yeah, totally. Whatever you want to call it, before common era or common era, yeah. your birthday, everything is in relationship to Jesus. You know, and one thing I've been thinking about, especially in light of this last year, um, and I've gone to this text more multiple times on Resurrection Sunday, is that the women that followed Jesus were the first ones for him to appear to. So good. We're going to talk about that on Sunday. Oh, we are? Yeah. Good. I don't want to ruin that. That's just amazing to me. It's like amazing. That in that culture in the first century, that is unheard of, that you would document. If, if it happened, you would never document it. You yeah. would bury that. That's not That's not the thing you need to tell, tell people. And the gospel accounts are like, no, it was the women who were there first. Makes it trustworthy and true. Yeah. It's really awesome. All right, so that's Easter. That's that's kind of a quick outline of what Holy Week looks like from Palm Sunday to Resurrection Sunday. Yeah, and I'll put a show link of Christianity.com and their sort of breaking down of the Holy Week. Okay, has there been some passages that you've been intentionally reading throughout this week that we could also highlight for people to get in front of? Right, yeah, that's a great, thanks. Um, You know, I was sitting in church on Sunday, and I noticed a cross on the wall, and here on the, your campus, you, you were really intentional. Actually, I don't know if anyone paid attention, but there was a purple robe on the cross, and that's the reference of Palm Sunday. Um, historical church site movements have colors for different things and events. And it's not, here's the reason. It's not because it's high church and it's cool. It was because most of Christianity has been on the backbone of illiterate people. And they needed pictures, stained glass, and colors for illiterate human beings to receive and know the gospel. How crazy is that? 
Okay, so just let's just pause and get on another high horse of Thomas Milburn soapbox. How funny is it that whenever people look in the rearview mirror Mm -hmm. of history, there's a tendency to say, "Oh, those primitive people!" Right, right. Look at those primitive people with like high, you know, hydroglyphics like carved into the stones, like little pictographs. Right. Look at these people that are illiterate. We're so much smarter than them, and then we. And we send all these emojis to each other. <laughs> <laughs> Including one that has bowel movements on no it. No doubt. And it's like, oh my goodness. I don't think we are have arrived at this, as the cream of evolution. <laughs> if you're sending that emoji. If you're sending <laughs> emojis, like look at those people with their illiteracy. Yeah. Anyway. And so many times in this in the era of Christianity and history, there's been movements where people have done away with these traditions of like hanging something on the cross or pictures or colors and said, you don't need that in order to worship faith, which is true. They were in response to something, but they're also, I just, my high horse is church history is that we've got to learn from those who were faithful to God and the gospel for in pandemics in world wars in political crisis in monetary crisis, in drought and famine. And we need to look at them and say, how did they survive? How did, what what got them through? And, you know, that is God's work. That is the Holy Spirit. That is the power of God and the gospel in the world. Yes. But also there were some things in which grounded them to stay true to the gospel. And sometimes that was stained glass. And sometimes that was church calendars. And sometimes that was church colors that reminded them once again to stay faithful like so many before them have stayed faithful. All right, so since we didn't like conclude that thought. Yeah. Purple? Purple. Oh, is, yeah, is the, sorry. Is the we got on Jay's paper. high horse. I know, we're like, sorry. People are like, this podcast is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so there's a, there's a purple, so yeah. his, his royalty, yeah. right? Kingship Jesus coming in. Yeah. And then Good Friday is... Yeah, black. it's the black, and yeah. Sunday is white. And Sunday is white. Yeah, and I was looking at the cross last Sunday, and I was thinking, man, what an interesting symbol to put your whole identity around. And I was thinking about John 3.16. It's the famous passage. It gets spray-painted on sides of you know railroad cars. and, and it's in If you're going to do some vandalism for, for God. <laughs> Tim Mill puts it on his eye black. You know, we love him for that. But he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whomever should, um, sorry, <laughs> whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Uh, that's very true. And I remember very distinctly in Bible college, and I hadn't been a Christian very long, going to John 13, John 3, 13, and John 3, 14, and 15. It says, and Moses, as he lifted up the servant in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up. And I was like, what is going on? There was a serpent that was lifted up. Like, isn't serpent the devil? Are they devil worshiping? You know, is it like some weird thing? And he goes on to say in 15 that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And John is referencing an Old Testament story, Numbers 20, uh, 21. And I was thinking about this, this this last Sunday of like the people of God were grumbling against God. They were in the desert. They were suffering from uh, wandering in the desert. There was this grumbling. Like, you know, they, yeah, they didn't have the freshest coffee. You know, their beds they probably were filled only, they with probably dust. Had folders, man. <laughs> yeah, totally. And they were just grumbling. And God sent 
fiery serpents. This is what the scripture says in verse 21, 6, and sent serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so the people of Israel died. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, we need to go back to Moses, our spiritual leader. We're in crisis mode. And Moses goes to the Lord, and the Lord says, all right, take a serpent, kill it, and put it on a stick, lift it up in the air, and whoever looks at it will be killed. Like, and then Moses says, okay, let's do that. So he made a bronze serpent, sent it out on a pole. So he, he made a serpent, and a serpent bit anyone. He will look at the bronze serpent and live. And John says, in your exodus, look at the cross, because that is where the Son of Man is going to bring his healing. This is where it all gets finished. And I love that. And I was thinking about that last Sunday with Palm Sunday and the cross there and knowing Good Friday's coming. And I love how Calvary has crosses on their walls. Uh, it's just a great reminder that this is where we look for great healing. Yeah, I think that's kind of the essence of it, right? Like this has nothing to do with you. It's yeah. foolishness. And I bet you if you were in, in the wilderness, you'd say, what, what good is it to me to look at that bronze serpent? Yeah. Like, why would that bring me healing? There's no connect. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I'm not doing anything in order to be healed. Yeah. And I think that's the point is, you know what? This is the provision of grace that God has set up. If you would trust him, you would look at his provision of grace. And for those who say, no, that's stupid. I'm not going to do that. Okay. Yeah. You can try to heal yourself. Paul, that's that's going to be possible. The Apostle Paul eventually says that the cross is foolishness. Yeah. It's foolishness. It doesn't... It, to the world, it does not make sense. And to the people of God, to those who trust in Jesus, it's the wisdom of God. And you're like, okay, John, you're saying we should look for a serpent that's on bronze hanging up? The Son of Man's going to be the same way. Yeah. And there he was on Good Friday. That's why we call it good is because because of him on that cross, our healing comes. And it's, it's him taking our sins, right? Right. So they had been bitten by this snake. And then the snake that the cause of their suffering was hung on this staff. Yeah. And so there's the sin. That's our sin. That's a cause of our suffering is on Christ hanging on the cross. Yeah, totally. And it's a beautiful expression of just God's provision and love for us that he would send his son. Amazing. This he would amazing. give up his son. All right. So here comes Christ from Palm Sunday to Resurrection Sunday, and he is stepping into Jerusalem. And, you know, Jerusalem, we, you know, different commentators, different historians mm-hmm. talk about the different populations, like taking a guess at it. Right. Wherever the population is, it swells to three times of its normal status. Yeah, you've read that some people think like 50,000, 500,000 people would be in Jerusalem. Some yeah. say a million would have been in Passover to celebrate the Jewish Passover yeah, and, and it's important that you're like, why do I care about this? I'm like 2,000 years down the road. It's like you need to care about this because it helps you read your Bible well. Yeah. It helps you understand the scriptures. Okay, so Jay, take me into the geopolitical climate <laughs> of first century Jerusalem yeah. occupied by Rome. What are people thinking? What are people hoping? All of these different you know, pilgrimages have, have brought people um, they're exchanging currencies at the market, so they got you know got to buy sacrifices. It's like the Olympics descend on a city. All the nations are coming in from all different places. What's happening that week? Yeah, we have. Do we have time for ten podcasts about hour long each? 
because yeah. we probably couldn't even get through it then because of the climate and the culture in which Jesus arrives into Jerusalem. And here's the thing. It's an occupied city. That's the first thing you need to know. Rome has taken it over by force. No one wants them there. No one does. There's nothing good that can come out of Rome owning Jerusalem. And so you have these religious sects. You have these um, people who are trying to be faithful to God through their religious practices, having to do it in a culture and a, and a, occupancy of like Rome that says you can't do this you can do this you can't do that you can't do that and these are their identities like these are the things and there's a there's a policeman on every corner with uh, a a high power rifle you know waiting for the next outbreak to happen so that they can just kill someone take them out and like okay because they're they're more afraid of riots and political discord and the political turmoil that can come out of a religious event a one week religious event. Cause let's just say like you go to the Olympics, you know, and everyone there has one agenda and that is to win the gold medal. Right. And so you have countries that cheat to get in there. You have countries that will do anything and whatever to win gold medals. And there's all brawls and you know, there's all these political discords and all this stuff. And it's like a tinderbox of all these cultures that no one can understand each other say good luck you know right, so, so yeah. rome's in there um there's these there's these pharisees the religious leaders who want to be pure in their faith you want to stay strong there's the sadducees that um there's these essenes these there's there's these herodians these the ones are like just wanted to have political power there's all these people there's messiah movements within first century so there's there's these individuals who come forward and said, I am the Messiah and people follow him and they go to their death in Jerusalem, trying to win over Jerusalem from the Romans Romans. And like Rome knows this, there's a political point in ease that are like day to day thinking, how am I going to make out today alive and keep my power? Like these are the things that Jesus walks into riding on Palm Sunday and the implications of the whole week. Okay. So I want to, Latch on to one thing you had said, talking about yep. different political groups, even within the Jewish faith, the right. stream of Judaism that Jesus is walking into. So sometimes we think, oh, here in America, there's different you know, ways that we think about our faith and how we participate in governance and all of that. In the Jewish mind is, okay, we're being occupied by Rome. This is almost like God's judgment on us. Yeah, it is God's judgment. They know it's God's So judgment. how do we respond so that God will get rid of Rome and then liberate us and bring messiah into this yeah well there's the world there's, so there's, a, there's a group that says we need to be as pure as possible right and who's that that's the essenes so the essenes are like we gotta be as we gotta double down on purity yeah and it, we don't want to be corrupted by anybody so we're gonna we're gonna get out of the town and let us our purity win back the town okay so they're gonna d- d- get out of the city and say we're gonna devote ourselves to a pure community right okay and then we got the sadducees tell me about the sadducees yeah they're they actually probably don't believe as much as they probably should being a religious organization about the Bible as they should. So they're like, there's no resurrection. It's all really good liberal stuff, but it's about political power. And so they're compromising, cozying up with like political persuasion. Yeah. More than most of them. All right. And then you got the Pharisees. Yeah. And the Pharisees are like, we got to get the people to be pure. Yeah. And let's create laws and governance inside of the Roman system so that we can be 
the people of God. So God has Rome here because we're not holy enough. Yeah. So we're going to double down on the holiness of, of God's people so that he will remove Rome. Yeah, totally. And they have a lot of political power too, you know, as that will corrupt eventually anyways. And so the high priests and some of those are probably pretty corrupt at that moment. All right. And then we've got another group called the Zealots. Yeah. And these are, you know, these are the wild, wild west characters who say, we got some ammo, we got some guns, let's take it back and let's die trying. And they, for the last 400 years, especially the last 200 years before Jesus, there's been some uprisings and revolts of zealots that have been um, successful in some ex- extent, but also Rome is like, you know, really has their thumb on them and wants to make sure they don't happen again. All right, so I look at those political groups. You, know, you can throw in the Herodians as well, like yeah. Jewish power that has just totally corrupted itself. Yeah, they've said we're just Jewish in name, but we want power and we'll do political anything basically to stay in power. Yeah, I think, I think it's important for us to recognize that there are different streams of how people are living out their faith, thinking about how to honor God, bring glory to God, to please God, what needs to happen. Because it's not just one singular stream that Jesus is stepping into. And I think about our life today as Christians, and you think these are like the same sort of streams where some Christians say, man, you know what? In order to change this, to really please God, we have to get political. Right. We've got to cozy up. And you might there might be some compromise here because you have to compromise in politics, but we're willing to do that. Yeah. Others saying, okay, the problem is, is that the church is not holy. And so we got to double down on our holiness to really show God how serious we are and please him. Yeah, and it turns into legalism at times. And then there's the zealots who are like, uh, right to bear arms. Yeah, totally. Let's take they're, this thing back. They're those individuals. And then there's these Essenes where it's like, man, this culture is going, going down. And so I'm getting my family out. I'm getting some acreage. I'm, yep. go, I'm moving to Wyoming. North I'm, Dakota. North Dakota. Right. Yeah, some people should move to North Dakota. Yeah. And, you know, and they all are trying to do a few things. They're, they're, the response out of fear, they're human beings, right? Fear, disappointment, uncertainty, all those things are driving all those people to those decisions. Yeah, and I think there, so many times we have in our frame of mind that, oh, the Jews are thinking, if I could live this certain way, then I can earn my salvation. And that's not what's, its root issue is not so much, how do I live a certain way to get salvation? It's, how do I live in a certain way so that God will remove Rome and bring Messiah? Right. Yeah, and, you know, every Passover, there's an anticipation that they're practicing they're practicing Exodus, which is, you know, the people of God coming out of Egypt and anticipating that there will be a Messiah. Some think it's a literal one, some think it's a figurative one, some think it's a past death one, just like we do today. All right, so just think about the complexities that Jesus is about to step into, and you can see why this is a tinderbox yeah, it's a real tinder bar. It's like it would make the headlines and it would be the nightly news and you would see the loop of videos of what's going on for weeks afterwards. Yeah. It's a political event. All right, so this is this is what we're remembering as Jesus steps into Jerusalem, offers up his life on Good Friday, and is raised to new life on Sunday morning. Yeah, and the the message of Jesus is that I'm on a rescue mission to redeem, to put to right 
all the things in which humanity has not gotten right. This is the message we need today. This is why I'm really hoping that you are gathering with people, gathering at Calvary, gathering online to put our mind to these things, that God drew near. Mm -hmm. He didn't remain far or aloof or indifferent to our suffering, but that Jesus became the suffering servant, the one who is familiar with all of our sorrows and grief, the one who bore our sins and brings the true transformation that we're craving. So this is our story as Christians to tell the world. Like, do we just give testimony to the story that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to bear the judgment of God's wrath so that we can be forgiven and that restoration through his resurrection would begin? Yeah, and that's going to be a great Easter. I can't wait. We need this hope, man. Like, we need Life is so challenging without this hope. We don't see the real, the world that we're in. Yeah, and, and you know, this Easter is about celebrating with our family members, our friends, our communities, what Jesus has done. It's a beautiful thing. All right, I'm looking forward to the weekend with you. Yeah, man, it's keep praying. Hey, Calvary, do us a big favor and keep praying for our pastors and leaders, our church, as we move into Holy Week, as we participate in Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Pray for a spiritual fruit that God would be moving in your neighbors, in your communities, and your life as well to bring back this restoration, the salvation. We look forward to a great Easter. Look forward to seeing you around. Thanks for staying with us this week in the weekly. Like always, you can write us at theweekly at calvarybible.com. If we were unclear, unfamiliar, you have questions about Holy Week, write us there, theweekly at calvarybible.com. And Thomas... Man, can't wait for that preaching shirt to be ironed and ready to go. Mm, Yeah. Let's go get something to eat. See you, Calvary.